This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in a manly warthog man cave. Uh, inside the piney woods of north central Florida, God's country in the Mellon Law Studio. Protected by Crime Prevention 24-7-365 and sponsored by the great folks who you will see at the bottom of the hour rolling across our screen. And we thank the donors, the donors, all those people who help us do uh, great productions for you. Of course, we have a Thursday reserved each month, as you know, here on the Ward Scott Files for uh, one of my favorite uh, organizations here in the community. And that's Dance Live National Ballet. And uh, we always are very interested in helping the community with the arts. And in particular, we uh, help uh, out Dance Alive National Ballet, which is really an international ballet, if you really look at it. It's uh, got some people locally who've been locally trained, amazingly enough, who can compete with the international superstars. And that's in itself a testimony to great teachers and a great company. But, uh, you know, like all companies, we have to... um, take care of ourselves and raise money. And we got a building campaign going on with this organization. Uh, The community is very much enthused about it. And we have with us today really a big time player. I I know she is. Susan Scanella. I can just tell by looking at her that she's the real deal. Uh, Even though we've never met in person, I know the real deal when I see it. (laughs) And so Susan's going to be with us for the next half hour. And We'll test her out, see how good her gift of gab is. If she can really spin a yarn here while I engage you all, uh, we'll give her a, a Sunday school star of some description. Uh, Susan, welcome to the Ward Scott Files. After that, you've got a lot to live up to. I certainly do, but I am so looking forward to this opportunity to talk about Dance Alive, more so than myself. But um, So I am kind of a new but familiar face to uh, Dance Alive National Ballet, and um, having grown up in the Gainesville community, trained with um, Judy Skitter and Kim Tuttle and their mother, and was part of what then was Gainesville Civic Ballet, and that was the feeding ground, really, for Dance Alive National Ballet. Many of us from Pofall Studios were trained, and we had summer study in New York City, and there was, in order for us to dance professionally, which I did for many years, we had to leave Gainesville. Um, so, And there was a real need around the time um, Dance Alive became a professional company. You also had the Hippodrome and the, the Gainesville Orchestra. So those are really the, the three uh, Gainesville gyms that started out, um, you know, making Gainesville really a, a cultural arts, um, you know, draw for for certainly North Central Florida as well as the entire state. So um, I have a long history with uh, Dance Live. I did come back. Um, I do have a BFA in theater from University of Florida. So wow, 
Gator. Yeah, I'm a second generation Gator. And I'm proud to say my son and daughter-in-law met at the University of Florida. And they live here in Gainesville. And we have a, a couple of grandchildren now that uh, we're growing You don't have grandchildren. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> Dance keeps you young. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So um, I think the uh, one of the first things I want to talk about today is is the Amazing Give Day, and it's going on all day, eight a.m. to eight p.m. And if you go to um, theamazinggive.org, and it really is, um, let's see, it's hosted by the Community Foundation of North Central Florida. So it really allows you to. Um, it, it's designed to raise funds for all your the local nonprofits. So the monies do stay here. So if you go to that website and search for Dance Alive, um, you will open that up and you'll see the opportunities to give. And we really you know, want you to visit our website. We have some great photos up there. And we also have a way for that Dance Alive is going to um, give back. Um, we have some goals that when we reach $125, uh, some of the dancers are actually have baked cookies. And Uh-oh. 125 cookies will be given to the Gainesville Fire Rescue. Uh-oh. And that's our way to give back. Uh, they have another uh, $500, once that's reached, $50 of non-perishables are going to be given to the Bread of the Mighty. And then when we reach $5,000, $50 of items are going to be given to the Family Promise of Gainesville. So some of our dancers came up with these wonderful ways to give back and thank you all, the community of Gainesville, for, for giving to Dance Alive. So we're excited about that today. And um, we also have some wonderful things that I can tell you about as far as the upcoming season. We do have, um, and, and Dance Alive, for those of you who may not know, it is, as Ward mentioned, it's in a group of um, just amazing international world-class dancers. Um, and we do have dancers that trained at Pofall Studios that came up through the ranks and perform with them. And we give really in Gainesville four main stage performances a year at the wonderful, you know, Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. It's a beautiful stage. And um, the season is actually going to kick off with a wonderful repeat. Um, It's the best way to start the season. It will be in October. I don't have the dates yet, but, you know, you may stay tuned on Dance Live. (laughs) But um, we are going to bring back Swan Lake. And it will be our our wonderful dancers. And, um, yeah, we're really thrilled about that. It was an outstanding production and really highlighted both some students from Pofall Studios who were part of the Swan Troupe, if you it will. Packed the play, it packed the place. It was phenomenal. And yeah. so we want to keep that buzz going. And really, it's a beautiful showcase for the company. And then we'll have the perennial favorite. It's not the holidays. Most wonderful time of the year with the Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will be at the Phillips Center as well in December. And then um, we are going to have a wonderful February show. And that's going to be called Love in the Swamp. So you'll have to check that out. It'll oh, wow. Be a nice mixed repertoire. And then we will close the season in March with the full-length Giselle. And it's a classical ballet. And we're going to bring back our wonderful guest artist, um, Oksana Maslova, from the Philadelphia Ballet. And she will perform in that. And um, so we're very excited about that. But we also have some fun events. So I can give you the date on this one, September uh, 
Let me make sure I have it right. Yeah, September 22nd. Meet the dancers at the Cave Museum. Um, oh, this yeah. kind of kicks off the season. It's it's a fun way to find out the rest of the performances. We have some surprise introductions, and uh, the company will perform. And it, it's a beautiful setting at the Cave Museum, so we're looking forward to that. And then um, we also have our big champagne gala. So that will um, probably be in March. I'll, uh, we'll have the dates of that soon, and the um very excited about our community participating in Dancing with the Stars. It's always a lively, fun evening and a great way to not only uh, vote for your favorite dancer, but to support the company. And um, other than main stage performances and those events, we also are very proud of our outreach programs. Um, we have something called Discovering Dance, and that's a part of our school shows, our performances will bring um, our area's uh, school children in to, they'll bus into the Phillips Center and we will have a performance for them. And they have a talk back and they have a curriculum that's designed so they understand, you know, the story of the ballet they're watching and they, they get to meet the dancers up close and personal. And then we have something called Dance About, which is a wonderful community outreach that we have in both Ocala and Alachua. And this is uh, designed for um, underserved uh, children and it's after school dance classes. And that's been very successful. And we also have community performances at um, senior nursing home facilities and um, also, you know, other for other seniors that may not be able to come to the Phillips Center, we go to them. And then we have a wonderful youth company called Next Generation, and they have a performance coming up um, at the end of this month, I believe, or it could be Mother's Day. Anyway, we check the dates on <laughs> .org. Um, so I'm new to the calendar, still filling it out. But, um, and then, you know, because uh, we've, been a, a huge part of the community and appreciate performing here and we want to continue to grow and you know give back to the community and we're really looking forward to um it's been a long time dream since we've kind of outgrown our our facility where we are our studios uh, we are looking forward to moving and um to the Northwest area and build a uh, cultural arts center, which will be the home of Dance Alive in the studio. We'll all be under one roof and we're going to have three dance studios, um, three music rooms and a black box theater that will be available for multi-purpose um, rehearsals, events, um, some meeting space. And it's just going to be spectacular. It's a wooded lot that we are um Pursuing, uh, you know, the finalizing plans. We're in kind of the soft campaign stage, but we'll be um, within the year having our, our larger announcement about that. But um, that's a very exciting next step for us, and it will enable us to grow into the future. So we're very, very excited. It's a great time. Um, so I'm back in Gainesville. Um, I've been gone for a while. Um and you know it's it's great to be a part of uh kind of a dance alive family well you're certainly a welcome addition and i can tell you that that is one of the best presentations that i've heard <laughs> and it was smoothly done and you're uh telling a fib if you say you're still familiarizing yourself with the dates because if you hadn't said it nobody would have known it so <laughs> 
<laughs> you, you know, you got yeah, the first... I like to yeah, give you a little teaser, you know, yeah. come back and then definitely uh, stay on top of the, the website and uh, we'll be announcing yeah, dates, locations, a little more detail as we get closer, but it's going to be a very exciting season and, um, you know, I'm just excited to be back and bring uh, my years of uh, performance. Uh, I really am familiar with all aspects of both the performing arts and the entertainment industry. So, um, you know, I kind of, I'm a, a, was a classically trained jazz dancer, you might say. Well, I can tell you got stage presence and that's uh, all that's in your blood, obviously, because uh, you rise to the occasion and you get uh, a love performing. And that's part, you know, I'm amazed at this. Uh, um, how shall I say this consistency and quality of the dancers? Um, so professional that uh, it make it look easy. And of course, anything that looks easy has got an enormous number of hours of practice um, so that it looks as if it happen naturally well right. yes and no <laughs> and dance uh, really is a sport <clears throat> it you know involves all aspects of uh, athleticism um, again the hours of training and the amount of time in the studio which is daily and even um, dance alive if, if people don't know this they did have their last performance in March, but they continue to train and you, you have to do that. Um, you know, their body is their tool that they use and they have to, um, you know, maintain the skill. You build up your technique over many years of training and then you must maintain that technique. And um, just like any sport, you have to be out there and maintain your, your, your body, your skills, um, constantly and dance also requires heavily on muscle memory. So when they are rehearsing a ballet of any type, um, the repetition of repeating the particular um, group of steps, if you will, that's what allows them to you know, make it innate. So it looks effortless. And there's once you learn the combination of steps then the professionals is it, turning on a switch that now they can perform um, on top of that. So the steps look effortless, but they have trained hours and hours to make them look smooth and effortless. And, and in particular, partnering. When you see two or more of our dancers working together, there's a trust factor when you're dealing with lifts or um, any type of patterns where you're crossing very closely and quickly and doing intricate footwork. Um, but all of that comes from hours and hours of practice in the studio. And um, then you bring it to the stage and it's like magic. You turn on the switch and now the personality and the bond that they create together throughout rehearsal hours um, really uh, that's what ignites the magic you know, the most magical thing is once upon a time to have watched Andy Valadon, our principal dancer, dance on stilts. Oh, yes. <laughs> Danced on stilts. And he wasn't walking. He was dancing. He right? was flying through the air on stilts. That's amazing. It's so amazing. It, it really is kind of amazing. He's now, you know, getting in years, and I think he's 50. But um, great dancer. Fantastic dancer. And then there is the visiting dancer once in a while that comes from China who's in his mid-60s. 
Mm-hmm. Top and, one shoe against with him. Right, He's amazing. Right. Amazing. And, and as you here. alluded to, we have the young ones who actually came up through our system, which is quite remarkable and can compete with people from some of the finest dance schools in the world. Thank so you. that is amazing. I think we have now, I know we have more than one, maybe two or three mm-hmm. homegrown, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. I think- We're talking with Susan Scannell. Now, Susan, what have they roped you into officially doing? Um, <laughs> it's not besides being a jack of a jack. Well, Jack is a, a sexist comment, isn't it? Uh, a Jacqueline of all trades. What is? What have they roped you? <laughs> well into, what have they roped you into doing? <laughs> so I'm the the new executive director. I'm a, the new familiar executive director. Um, again, the uh, Kim Tuttle and Judy Skinner, uh, the two sisters who you know this is their family business that they grew up in, and um, they're just both amazing choreographers, uh, teachers, um, and they have been the you know the heart and soul of uh, what was Gainesville Civic Ballet that grew into Dance Alive National Ballet. And the longevity, you certainly can attribute to them. They're just, you know, amazing. Doesn't really describe um, the two of them, but their their legacy is Dance Alive. And it's wonderful to be a part of that. Um, but, you know, they just, uh, they have the quality has been maintained, the quality training the ability to um, kind of uh, make sure that um, the exposure to the dancers and and we had guest artists when I was in Gainesville Civic Ballet from New York City Ballet, principal dancers with the major companies in New York City came down to Gainesville and danced with us. So, you you know, you're exposed to the different levels. and, And as you're growing up as a student through the studio, which the next generation are, they are able to see and take class and perform uh, with nut, in Nutcracker and Swan Lake when we can add to, we need the larger numbers on stage for the large ballets. They are dancing on stage with the professionals and it, it helps them grow uh, as a performer. Um, they stand in the wings they get to watch and you know there's a lot they can learn by watching and observing these professionals and being around them and then next generation also has some of the ballets that they perform in their repertoire used to be some of the main stage performances so they are rising to the occasion you know technically they're they're handling it they're able to um perform it and um you know they it's almost like they don't realize that this was once our main stage performance that they're, they're performing some Scott Joplin pieces, which are fun. I perform those as a guest artist with dance alive. Um, and so it's wonderful to watch them um, just adapt and they just embrace the opportunity to, to perform and learn the repertoire. And it just elevates the experience, not for only for them, but um, enables them to step up and become a, a dance alive performer. Well, you know, it's um, quite beneficial to us that a marriage made in heaven here obviously has happened. Because uh, as a board member, I can tell you that we've searched for somebody to help take the reins. Uh, and we have always been concerned about continuity and quality and familiarity with the 
mission of the and the experience, actual experience of the company. And that's very difficult to do. You know, I think we were so fortunate to have you back um, because it was on our mind for a long time. You just don't go out and hire somebody to run the dealership, so to speak. You know, it helps if they know all the customers, they grew up with their kids, you know, that type of thing. It's more, uh, it's much more uh, to be said for homegrown and, uh, you know, developed through the system. Otherwise, we're just uh, moving around among many, many really great valet companies in the company, in the country. Um, but this one is such a gem. And I thought for the longest time, one of the best kept secrets in the community. Um, because it's in the shadow of the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things get swallowed up in that shadow. So uh, we do have to use their performing stage. Um, uh, there's things that we do that in the viewers, in the, in the audience and community sometimes might become confused. Mm-hmm. But this is an independent organization. And um, it rents, uh, you know, that stage, which is not cheap. And... Um, uh, and, and all that is uh, is all bundled up in the in the in the uh, challenges, if you will. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, so, Jim, yeah. yeah, I'd like to add. They've also speaking of the the university community and really the arts community at large. They've always been um, just so proactive in creating collaborative opportunities where um, our set design or music uh, will be local artists. Um, Stella Sung creates original compositions for us. Um, There's too many that I I can't name at this time, but it's, it's often a collaborative collaborative effort to reach out and involve the other artists that live in Gainesville. And um, it's just a a wonderful, I I think that Gainesville sometimes is overlooked as thought of probably as a a sports Mecca, um, but really the arts are thriving and alive, but days like today, the amazing give, is really an opportunity for um, our community to say, you know what, let me, let me uh, give a little something and, and uh, be forever enrich.ed And the artist. You know, let's talk for a moment about the amazing gift. So they know what that is okay. and uh, how that works. Right. Well, um, you go again, go to the amazing and it is hosted by the, um, Community Foundation of North Central Florida. So your gift will stay local and you um, all of the local nonprofits are on that website and you want to look for dancealive.org and you may have some others that you're fond of as well. Um, But I'm certainly here to say, please, you know, the dancers need their point shoes. Uh, We're looking forward to (laughs) a building campaign on and our this helps with our outreach programs, and it's it's a way to certainly give to the arts um, if that's one of your favorite you know donations of choice. But um, it is all day; it's going on now, and um, again, the goal is to raise uh, funds for local nonprofits, and we certainly would be thrilled for anyone to give to danceallive.org today. We're talking with Susan Scanella, who has really come along at the right time for Dance Alive National Ballet. And we're transitioning the ballet really into a much more visible, perhaps, as a way to say it, participant in the community, um, in that we are going to soon have a um, a serious fundraiser for 
a development of a piece of property that is perfectly located in the central part of the community and promises to be a real asset for not just dance, but for all forms of art, mm-hmm. uh, which will become, I think this will become kind of a mecca for that. Hopefully <laughs> so. That's, that's our goal. Yes. And uh, Susan, what do you look forward to in your challenges coming up? Well, got about five minutes left. What's on your plate that you would like to accomplish? Well, I believe, again, always with a company, our size um, in our community is getting the word out and making sure people are aware of our events, our programming, our main stage performances, and our efforts to grow with our capital campaign. So I think the more um, we can spread the word in our own local community and, um, you know, get involved, um, I hope to be you know, at the different chamber functions, um, the uh, just get involved wherever I can to promote our calls and uh, spread the word about Dance Alive. So, is there anything that you need help with that you can now have a stage here? You love the stage, so. Uh, but I do want to give kudos to our board, of uh, which Ward uh, is on our board of trustees for Dance Alive National Ballet. Um, coming back to Gainesville, I've been gone um, almost four years, and I was so thrilled. I was invited to to uh, be a guest at a board meeting in back in November, I believe. <laughs> and I, as I said to Kim and Judy, I went. It's so exciting to have a board who's on board. Um, yeah. You all are, you know, you're such a wonderful cross section of. Um, you know, the different um, occupations that you bring to the table. Um, and it, it's a diverse group. Um, you know, you're smart business people. You're giving, caring about uh, Dance Alive. And it's it was just so refreshing. And as Kim approached me with, well, you know, I, just, <laughs> I really need to, you know, have you step into this? And I I, I was only hesitant because, you know, it feels like such large shoes to fill. But the fact that it's, it's just a, a natural passion for me. But to have the board support and the board really invested personally and passionately and showing up for our events and, and physically supporting us. I mean, it's just been it's been amazing. And to me, that's, you know, that's it. You're a key component. You being on the board and our, your fellow board members. And so I can't thank you enough for making that really a no brainer to say, you know what, there's no time like the present to, you know, take on the role and, uh, you know, go along for the ride. And let's see where we can go and let's build this new, wonderful cultural arts center. As far as how I got originally uh, involved, it's kind of a funny story. Um, <laughs> Kim came to me and said, hey, we need you in. Dancing with the Stars, and we're going way back now. Dancing with the Stars at that time was on the Phillips stage, and uh, we had not yet gone on to other venues. And uh, I said, you know, come on, you know, who am I? Oh, no, you got a big crowd of followers in the community. And, you know, I was hesitant. And then as the icing, she said, well, I'll get you a good-looking girl. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Make you look good. (laughs) Yeah, so my partner was Carlo Mancio. And uh, yeah, we had a, and the first thing I learned was that 
on. There, there, there's more to dancing with a professional dancer than dancing on a tabletop in a bar in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> yeah, huge. <laughs> <laughs> a lot different. It's a lot different. So I couldn't, unfortunately, use that experience much in, in dancing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I had to learn one, two, three, one, two, three. And uh, I didn't know that anything existed like one, two, three. And, uh, but we had a lot of fun. Uh, Carla and I became really good friends. And uh, that's wonderful. Even to this day. And uh, uh, then I kind of got involved. And of course, I'd known Kim a long time back. Right. But I, I hadn't been involved. But on the other hand, a personal story my mother was a dancer oh. and she lived to be 107 and a half. And um, spectacular. Wow. When she was a hundred, I brought her to one of the da- one of the Dancing with the Stars things. One of the yeah, I guess it was that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I brought her, and uh, she danced with one of the instructors. Do you ain't nothing but a hound dog, and uh, with Elvis Presley, right? And my mother, you have to know, you have to know my mother, and so she's passed now. But she came back after and sat down and said, "How do you like that, mother?" She said, "Well, he wasn't very good." <laughs> <laughs> she had a critical eye. She knew. <laughs> yeah, she had her standards, by golly. And uh, she, well, he really wasn't that good, you know. And I said, you know, Mother, I was watching. I thought he couldn't keep up with you. <laughs> That's great. And she was 100. <laughs> that is something. Oh, it's hilarious, you know. That is. But, uh, yeah, that's what she did. Uh, she called it toe dancing. And yeah, uh, sure. Toe dancing. And uh, <laughs> I, I have to, I have to. I have to tell that story because everybody knew her and uh, what a character she was. And, uh, you know, old people get the right to say what they think, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. My own father lived to 100, so I had a, a center she in. Didn't say it in your, she, she didn't say it in your shot of the, anybody but, but, but me, but, you know, it could have been her. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, we're at the bottom of the hour, Susan. We don't want to take up two of your Morton important day today, Susan Scanella, Executive Director of Dance Alive National Ballet, a great addition, and uh, yep. really has a lot of stage presence, and I can tell that already, and went through a list she claimed she wasn't familiar with, but never stumbled once. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the opportunity and invitation, and everyone, make sure you go to amazinggift.org and click on your favorite dance company, Dance Alive. Well, thank you. We'll certainly advocate that. All right, Ward Scott Files. We'll be right back after we thank our sponsor at the bottom of the hour, Ward's Weather, from brought to you by Lewis Oil. We'll be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. 
Hey dads and kids, join head coach Billy Napier at the Gainesville All-Pro Dad Experience Saturday, April 22nd at 9 a.m. at the University of Florida Sanders Practice Facility and Fields. Learn fatherhood tips and participate in activities with your kids while rotating through stations on the field. It's only $25 per family, so register today at allprodad.com slash events. The Gainesville All-Pro Dad Experience is brought to you by the Florida Department of Education, Dairy Council of Florida, and Tyson. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On-the-Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show... Thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pat him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, Ward's Weather Report brought to you by Lewis Oil. Yes, a fossil fuel company and patronize them Chevron stations. You need gas. The electric vehicle thing, you know, you got to watch yourself on that. Well, uh, we're in the middle of a drought. I mean, I was to say it here in our area. Um, I have not yet done the naked rain dance. I've been increasingly thinking about it as it, we desperately start getting, still hauling hay. In fact, we hauled another roll this morning. It gets expensive and old after a while. And what happens a lot of times when a lot of people start hauling hay, they they get rid of some of their cattle. And, of course, when the cattle all of a sudden flood the market while the prices go down. So it's not a win-win situation. But those of you who go through these shopping centers and look into the grocery store and see the cellophane wrap uh, steak, you just uh, have to realize, man, there's a lot behind that. Uh, as we talked yesterday, it's a mixed bag of weather throughout the country. Uh, topsy-turvy temperatures, storms here, droughts there, uh, snow melting all over the place in the west, which is good, and uh, major flooding wherever there's been a um, a big uh, kind of dump of water in some form or another. So we don't get it here, but we desperately need it. Well, 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 we're going to talk about a couple of local issues now. And one of the local issues which has been 
Well, festering and percolating for so long, of course, really back to the day they fired Mike Kurtz, and that was a uh, Pea Green underhand did that because she was just totally enraptured by and bought into uh, the whole idea of climate change, which wasn't called climate change then. I think it was called Save the Planet. I've lost track of the little jingles. Uh, but uh, the whole idea of God only knows why was to create this biomass plant. And being the inexperienced business people that they are and were, it doesn't matter what iteration you have of them on the city commission. They nevertheless are lousy business people now. We used to have business people run the city commission in Gainesville back when we had five commissioners. But now it's eggheads and ideologues and uh, incompetents that run it. And uh, they have little agendas. It's uh, it's race generally uh, for the black folk. And then for the white folk, it's uh, um, placating the black folk. And they go back and forth with that thing. And meanwhile, when they get in trouble financially, why they use the uh, ever-present cash cow, and that's the utility known as GRU. So uh, that people got tired of that, and um, they couldn't seem to make an uh, impression on the commissioners about how tired they were of it, and the commissioners just went on about their business, which is not, as I say, really business. And when it come time, came time to try to figure out where the money was in the city coffers, uh, they couldn't even produce the receipts for the money they'd spent, so nobody could audit the bills even. Uh, that began to become a wake-up call for the local delegation, basically in the form of uh, Chuck Clements, who is a homegrown guy and is nobody's fool and been around here for quite a while, been a county commissioner, charged of the foundation at Santa Fe College, uh, very careful, meticulous person, does his homework, and uh, he heard the uh, frustration. And he crafted the bill, and this bill became, uh, amazingly, um, uh, something of interest to the statewide legislative organization known as the legislature. Because heretofore, nobody cared in the state about Alachua County, uh, basically. They thought, well, it's just a nutcase down there, and, you know, circle the wagons and don't go in there. And it got worse and worse, and gradually, you know, the argument became uh, malfeasance and incompetence and uh, ripping off people who, and you know, they're always hollering about affordable housing, affordable this and that, but they don't make anything affordable. So the numbers began, began to add up. And sure enough, 14 to 5 uh, yesterday, I remember the vote, uh, the thing made it out of committee. It's on, it's on the fast track to become law. And they're up there now, the likes of Yvonne Henson, whatever her name is now, having any say-so about anything that makes any sense is beyond understanding. And, of course, the bully, uh, Harvey Ward, nobody cares what he thinks. And so they've all caught on there. And uh, they haven't been able to to demonstrate uh, any kind of logical um, alternative to what the bill says. And... Nobody trusts them to begin with. You know, once you lose trust, why, you might as well hang it up. Um, they're, they're not going to come back and believe a word you say. And that's where the, uh, the Gainesville City Commission is in losing trust. And they really couldn't even play the media. Uh, the next story I 
I'm going to share with you uh, is basically about playing the media and uh, getting the media to do your dirty work for you or your heavy lifting. And, 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 you know, um, but this one, they finally burnt the media up. The media finally got tired of trying to cover for them. And the, the Gainesville sunset is just about out of business. Uh, we have a couple other publications here, uh, the Watchwell Chronicle, the Main Street Daily News, and the Ward Scott Files, and that's about it, covers the local stuff. So um, that's my take on what's going to go down, as they say, in Tallahassee. Uh, it's going to make it all the way to the governor's desk, I predict, and the governor will sign it. I am absolutely 100%. I'm never wrong. Let's put it that way. I think that's going to happen. The other story that's local that I've been staying out of that I covered a little bit is this eternal um, issue with sheriffs uh, in this community anyway. And this is taking place inside a larger culture, of course, and that is the general dissatisfaction with uh, Leo people, period. Uh, Right now, it's very fashionable, uh, very much in style to bash law enforcement. We've covered the canine issue. And, um, you know, that's a, obviously a fiasco. And, uh, there's a general notion that they want to demilitarize the police here. Psycho Seiko has said that, uh, do away with the helicopter or anything like that. It looks like it might be the real army. Um, and of course, crime's not a crime. Crime is just misunderstood people who really wouldn't commit, be criminals that weren't for your, uh, your law-abiding citizen selfishness. Uh, that's what really motivates and wants these people to steal from you is that you really didn't earn what you got and you exploited them, so they're going to take it from you um, with impunity. And, of course, then you have the old saw that Hutchison chewed out the sheriff Darnell about and said you need to quit arresting people for pot, throwing people in the jug for pot. Uh, Hutchison... Uh, um, the communist commissioner said that from the dais and to Darnell. And Darnell said, well, you know, if you want to um, have people, fewer people uh, arrested for pot, change the pot law. But if it's a law, I'm going to arrest people for pot. Um, so this type of meddling has gone on for quite a while. Um, Byerly uh, hated uh, uh, sheriffs. Um, didn't matter which one was the sheriff, he hated them. He thought that they got too much press and that they ought to, as county commissioners, develop their own press strategy to nullify uh, the press that was, in his eyes, too favorable for law enforcement. And so there's a there's a whole continuum of uh, circumstances that are going on right now with law enforcement personnel. Gainesville Police Department is down an enormous number of, of officers, I'm told, and as is the sheriff's department. Um, don't know who would want to go into the profession, I keep hearing people say, given the current uh, scrutiny and criticism. And then uh, you also have the, the the situation that in the municipal governments, uh, the cities, the uh, commissioners appoint their uh, police chiefs through the uh, um, the, the, the city commissioner, the city uh, manager. And uh, Alachua has a police department. High Springs has a police department. Newberry does not. And uh, 
the sheriffs pick up the load in Newberry. They pick up the load in Lake Ross. They pick up the load in Micanopy, uh, places like this about the county. So uh, then you have the fact that the sheriffs are elected and they are uh, constitutional officers and uh, they are like the uh, supervisor elections and the prop, uh, property appraiser and the tax collector, and they run for office and they get elected. And that's the case now. Uh, the current sheriff defeated uh, Sadie Darnell, who was a favorite among some, but not nearly among a lot of her own rank and file. Now, her umber deputy was a fellow named Huckstep. And um, um, they, so the sheriffs all have somebody they trust close to them. Um, because the rank and file can really be an unruly bunch. And in the worst case, they're practically like a mob. And they use something called the union and they use something called the Bill of Rights to uh, protect themselves, so to speak, from the administration, which is the sheriff and the sheriffs under sheriffs and the sheriff's decisions about who has rank. Well, I've seen this, as I've said, I've gone through this in the community college system. And I was the Senate president. This is this is typical bureaucracy. Uh, the president of the Santa Fe College, for example, has all the power. He gives the power as he sees fit. But he has all the power. The sheriff has all the power. The money comes from the from the county commission and the uh, president of the college has a board of trustees. But the state gives the president of the college all the power, whom he then subdivides as he sees fit or she sees fit, as does the sheriff. And herein lies the rub. You can please some of the people some of the time, but all the people none of the time. And it's always going to be that kind of issue, if you will, in bureaucratic. When football coaches come in, they change staff. They change players. This is a given. It's uh, the way, if you don't like them, vote them out of office. Well, I've been looking at some of the things that have been going on in the press. And in the press, I decided maybe we're only hearing one side of the story. And that is that there are some disgruntled people in the sheriff's office uh, who are uh, complaining about issues and the way they were treated and all that example. And when you look at the Alachua Chronicle, where it was published, you see that it does elicit um, comments, which I'm going to tell you, I think, was on purpose. The media was fed things, which then the media printed, which then elicited responses. And the responses only know what was fed to the media. Here's one, for example. I won't use the name. What would you expect from a sheriff who engineered an election where only Democrats were allowed to vote? Now, what the hell does that mean? Here is some uh, who uh, here's someone who said it's difficult to explain the political nature of a police or sheriff's department. The shifting and shafting, shafting are always there and at every level. And as one chief said to me, if this is not your cup of tea, so be it, as he asked most of us to leave. 
all these all these um, comments just in this one publication online, Logical Chronicle, come from just the writer Jennifer Cabrera citing that a third Alachua County Sheriff's deputy had filed a lawsuit. Well, I went looking to see what that was about. And you know me, I I research. So here I have in my hands uh, an affidavit uh, signed by Under Sheriff Joel DeCourcy, Jr. Let me tell you a little bit about Under Sheriff Joel DeCourcy, Jr. He is very experienced. He was uh, an undersheriff for Ulrich. He was the police chief of Alachua. He was the police chief of High Springs. And he was the city manager of High Springs. This guy comes with a lot of credibility. His signature is on every one of these replies to these petitioners. And the petitioners, I've looked through these uh, pieces, these documents, and I want to share some things with you because I think it reveals what is really going on. And I've got so many papers here, I've got to remember where I put it. Here, for example, on page um, Let me see about this one here, where, where I stuck this stuff. Hang with me. I think I got another set of papers here. Here's one probably is a good one to start with. This is a uh, response the sheriff's response, and by the way, it's not the sheriff, it's the sheriff department, but the buck stops with the sheriff. We all understand how that works. Um, that's the sheriff, but it's this under sheriffs and his um, people who are in his staff. And we have um, a petitioner here by the name of William F. Williams, who's Mr. Frank Williams. And I don't know the gentleman. Um, but he had counsel present during an internal attempt to resolve his complaint. And this is in the document, Respondent's Response to Petition for Writ of Manimus and Incorporated Memorandum of Law. And I'm reading through this, not knowing what to find, know what I'm going to find. None of this, of course, is in the media. And it says here in point six, Petitioner's counsel was present. Petitioner's counsel was Bobby J. Franks, who represents all these guys, at least he's three, I think. In item six, it says that petitioner's counsel was present during an attempt to internally deal with the, the, the petitioner's complaint. But the counsel would not let the investigators address or cure the alleged violations. Quoted here is from the person trying to resolve it. Unfortunately, I was rarely able to say more than a few words before she cut me off and talked over me in a very rude and derogatory manner. 
And it became fairly clear fairly quickly that she had an agenda, she being the lawyer, the liar. Now, what the agenda is, is to get this tried in the press and also to get established that the Bill of Rights was not used to protect the petitioner, when in fact, it was never given a chance to be used. So here's what I deduced, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody is complaining about not getting a satisfactory resolution, but not allowing a satisfactory attempt at a resolution to take place. So this is through this document, and it becomes a pattern. And it's all verified by the supervisor. It is publicly um uh, it's been recorded. All this is going to come out. Um, uh, the PBA representative in item 12 didn't want the petitioner to make a statement. Now, how can you resolve something internally if you can't uh, talk about it? So the then in these documents, I actually have the the Facebook post that uh, Mr. Frank uh, Williams posted that became initially one of the sources of conversation that never took place. In other words, what Frank did was go post on publicly and uh, criticize, I don't have that here somewhere, if I can find it, uh, criticize the, the, uh, the sheriff's office without going through the resolution process provided by the Bill of Rights and uh, the internal investigation process. I mean, it, you know, how can you have it both ways? I mean, how can that possibly be? Um, uh, two captains and a major watched this go down. Um, then there were narratives, this is in this document, Narrative sent to the news that did not include the misconduct of the deputies at issue, but instead focused on repeating the allegations in three petitions advanced by the attorney, who an unlikely coincidence, and additionally, represents all three. So you know, here's what I'm, I'm trying to say. You can't complain about not getting a fair hearing and not participate in a fair hearing because it becomes pretty clear you want your agenda to be in the newspaper, tried in the newspaper. You don't, and then if you get enough smoke, get it into the courts and complain that uh, you were shorted on your Bill of Rights, which you could argue then is a violation, a criminal violation, because you've been denied your Bill of Rights. Now, I've got Mr. Williams's Facebook post. I'm going to read it because it's public. Congratulations are in order here. Some of these are deserved and some are not. It's quite disappointing that my agency didn't post the 34 other seemingly senseless personnel changes that they made effective January 15, 2023, Along with these promotions, appointments, I would hope 
an administration who demands to be involved in everything would reciprocate and at least show transparency, especially to the public at large whom we serve. This will be the sixth major reorganization for this administration in approximately one and a half years. For example, on my shift and the only remaining supervisor. So they transferred three out of four supervisors to other shifts or divisions and replaced them. If continuity of operations, safety, efficiency, efficiency, and the overall success of the mission were the goal, does it make sense to shake all the puzzle pieces every time you reach a certain level of completion? I'm just exhausted. I'm constantly being disappointed by this administration. I'm done suppressing my feelings and my own mental health just to avoid the retaliation. Quite literally, this is no different than a domestic violence relationship. I'll probably find myself transferred or disciplined in some fashion because of this, but I don't give a F-bomb. And he uses the actual word. I'm tired of my friends, now family being treated poorly. Let's make sure whomever complains or provides this to the throne room that you spell my name right and never forget. Okay. Okay. That is an exhibit A in uh, the affidavit signed uh, by Under Sheriff Joel DeCourcy Jr. Um, as evidence of a violation of a standard of behavior that the sheriff office has for airing your dirty laundry in public. Now, then you air the dirty laundry in public, so you're asked to come in and explain why you did it and whether you deserve the punishment for doing it, and you won't cooperate, and you bring a liar with you, and the liar won't let you cooperate, and then the liar feeds to the narrative to the media that they wouldn't let you cooperate. There you are. I researched it. I looked at it. I've got all the documents. I'm just skipping to the essential points. And uh, it'll all come out, hopefully, fairly in the wash. But you talk about a manipulation of Truth. And that's what we're dealing with. So I hope that helped clear up some of the puzzlement some of you expressed to me about this. I don't know how to turn out, but that's what I found with my research. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.